Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, if you like to worry, you're living in a good time, aren't you? You think about what we have to be troubled about, to be bothered about, and you got the whole pandemic thing, which I'm reminded of every time I look at you guys out here. And, uh, you know, trying to make heads or tails of that and, and the fact that so many, you know, who have died and, and uh, the, the cases that are springing. Anyway, so that's a, something certainly your heart could be troubled about today. Uh, the social unrest in our nation and the, the division that's there, that's kind of heavy, you know, and, and you don't even know sometimes who you're talking to and how that, you know, those issues are going to, if you're discussing them, you don't know how that's going to go. Is it something to worry about or be troubled about? Um, politics. Right? I mean, it is just so, so much harshness and de- de- divisiveness there. And where is it going to lead us? What's the, what are the solutions going to be, you know? Um, I don't know of anybody who, who feels real hopeful about our political situation uh, going forward here. And then, and then your own personal things in life, right? So, I mean, out all those things, don't, we always have something in our life we can worry about if we want to, right? Something we can be bothered about, something we can be troubled about. All right, so uh, if you're one of those people who like to worry, then you're happy about this. <laughs> but for the rest of us, it's not good. And this is where the idea of having a troubled heart about these things and, and how do we deal with these things. And so today we're going to look at the, the idea of Jesus being that help for a troubled heart. Now, the passage we're going to look at comes after the, the culmination of a bunch of stuff. And Jesus has, has come back to Jerusalem. He's been away. He's come back to Jerusalem. And he has uh, had many interactions with the religious leaders that are grow, they're growing uh, more and more strident, right? The more and more the religious leaders are looking for a way to catch him in his words. Boy, does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? Uh, and so it's, it's not, a, it's, it's a tense situation is what it is. And the disciples are trying to make sense. And they're trying to understand who is Jesus and what is he really going to do. They believe in him. They're following him. But they don't understand everything that's going to happen. And they're wondering, right? Because Jesus is telling them that after all this is going on, Jesus is now telling them, I'm going away and you can't go with me. What, what, do you, what does he mean by that? Uh, does he mean he's going to be killed? Does he mean that he's just leaving and going? Well, they don't know what that means. Uh, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen. Is, is, uh, are all of his followers going to come together maybe, you know, because they're coming into the, the Passover week and there's going to be people from all over the place there. Will, will the people just rally to him and, and, you know, make him, set him up? He's our Messiah. They, they just don't know. And so here they are in this evening and, and Jesus washes all their feet. And it's like, well, wait, wait a minute. And, and then Jesus is saying to them, you know, somebody's going to betray me here. And they all just kind of look at each other and try to figure that out. And Peter whispers to John and says, John, ask him, who is he talking about? And so uh, Jesus says something to John. It's not very clear that he said it to everybody else. I think John is just the one who heard it. 
no Judas. But anyway, so all of this stuff is in the air. Do you think that the disciples have troubled hearts? Or have reason to have a troubled heart? Closely on the way to a troubled heart? So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to pick up at this place. In John chapter 14. And verse 1. If you're here today with a troubled heart, I want to encourage you that we're going to see in Jesus a way to respond that can help you not to have a troubled heart. If you're watching today or you're listening at a later time, we're going to see that Jesus is truly a help for the troubled heart. He's helped for the troubled heart. So let's, let's work our way through the passage and then we'll talk about some ways this applies to us. So after all these things that I just was talked to you about, Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Okay. Um, if you come to me and you say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with worrying. I'm worrying about this issue and that issue. And, and I say to you, okay, I understand. Don't. Don't worry. Stop worrying. Are you going to say, wow, that just hit the spot. That takes care of it. I'm all set and ready to go, right? Well, of course you're not going to. And so uh, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. So he's telling them they can do something to not have a troubled heart. And now he's going to go on and talk about things that can help them not to have a troubled heart. And by the way, a troubled heart, the word that's uh, translated troubled here, it comes from a word that literally means to, to shake. Okay, to, it's a physical word of shaking, or moving, and agitating something around, like, like you're in your washing machine agitator, okay? And, but then when it's, it's used um, in a, a, a metaphorical way, like it is here of the heart, he's not talking about a physical shaking of the heart, but that within us where there ought to be peace, there ought to be rest, there isn't. Okay, that inside there's this, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, those who are listening can't see this, but when I say, you know what I'm talking about, right? A troubled heart. Okay? So he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All right, now, a number of things going on here when Jesus says this. First of all, he's, going to, he's presenting himself as the, the solution to a troubled heart, okay? But he's doing more than that to them. This is another one of those things that as, as the disciples have followed Jesus, they, they're trying to figure this out, right? Who is Jesus? And he, he commands the wind and the waves. And, and, and you know, he's, he, we can say he's the son of God, but, but reality here, Jesus has just made himself equal with God, hasn't he? You believe in God, in the same way you believe in God, you believe in me. Well, you know, for the Jewish people and really for anyone who's, who's given much thought about it, God is not a man, is he? And, and if you're saying you're a man and you're saying you're God, that's not right. That's blasphemy. But, but the disciples have seen enough to, to at least be able to consider this truth, Right? And Jesus is telling them, you believe in God, believe also in me. 
Okay, and he's going to talk about some more things related to that in a little bit. But he says that apparently here, this idea of believing in God and then believing in him and believing that he is God has uh, the, the potential at least to help address a troubled heart. All right. And I know we have different personalities and some of us are introverted and some of us are more extroverted. Um, but if you are facing a difficult time, something really maybe tragic has happened or, or you're just overwhelmed by maybe a feeling of loneliness or problems in your life, do you take comfort in the fact that God is present? I'm not, it's not a trick question. I know sometimes I ask trick questions. This is not one. Are you able to take comfort in the fact that God is present with you? Yeah, I think that, you know, if, if you believe, you can. But you know what? There's something to be said for when a person shows up and sits down with you and is present. Do you know what I'm saying? In fact, I think that this is, is, is important for us to understand as Christians as we try to help people and sometimes as we're asking, because, you know, where is God when something goes wrong? When, where is God? Where is he? Well, if you are there, then God is there, isn't he? And when you look this person in the eye, God looks them in the eye. And when you put your hand on their sho your, the shoulder, God puts his hand on their shoulders. See, we are the hands of God, the voice of God, the arms, the, you know, the hug. That's how God will touch people's lives directly. And if that's not available, God is present and real and sufficient. But so it, this whole idea of a troubled heart, okay, yes, you believe in God, who you cannot see. Believe also in me, who you can see. You know me. You know what I feel, you know how I care, okay? And so he's beginning to present himself as this uh, solution for a troubled heart. And, and obviously we today can't look at him physically, but we can see him very clearly here. All right, so let's continue. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, so many mansions. There's a, uh, you know, that, uh, the old uh, song, gospel song. You know, uh, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And, and this whole idea of mansions, when, when this was word, English word was originally chosen in the um, 1600s in the King James Version, mansion meant a dwelling place. What do you and I think of when we think of mansion? Well, not where I live. <laughs> Probably not where any of you live, right? We think of something else. And um, so modern translations have tried to translate as a dwelling place. Or, and some of the really, like paraphrased ones, there are many apartments. <laughs> Unless that's your dream in life, that just doesn't sound so exciting, right? But it's just dwellings, that's all it says. But I want you to think, if the Lord is preparing dwellings for us, what will they be like? I don't know. But I don't think the idea, when we think mansion, of thinking a very special place. 
a place that we will love to be. I think that's very consistent with who Jesus is and what his relationship with us is like. So he's comforting them. He's saying, in my Father's house, many dwellings. In fact, I'm going to prepare one for you. For you specifically. Um, think about that. If you, if you want to buy a house, and, and there are places where, uh, you know, sometimes builders will buy some property and they will build houses, you know, sometimes very similar plans, sometimes different plans. And, all that. and, and that's fine. You go find one and you maybe you buy the house and you love it. But if you could have a house built that was specifically for you, that took into account what you, know, you liked and desired, wouldn't that be better? Right? All things considered? Well, he says, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. All right, so I think he just told us something here. We'll talk more about this in a minute, and I'll just say it here in passing. But he's telling us that as exciting as it is to think about this place that he's preparing for us, when we get there, what will be even more exciting is that he's there and we're with him. Because he says, I'm going to receive it to myself, that you can be with me where I am. All right, so let's continue. And then he says this, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, uh, there's different words for you know in the Greek language. This happens to be translated from a word which very literally means to see. And so in some sense, he's saying, he says, you see where I'm, you know, or where I go, you see, and the way you see, Okay. But this idea that it's seeing, it's, 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 it's taking this idea of, okay, I can see this, so now I know something. I can see something, and so now I know, okay? And sometimes that seeing might be in our imagination, might be in our mind, but we envision it, we see it, and we know. And so it's interesting that Jesus says this. Now, where's he going? Do we know where he's going? We've read the story before, right? He's headed to heaven, isn't he? Okay? So somehow, rather, by seeing him and having been with him, having seen the miracles, seeing the power of God, seeing the love of God, that seeing that, they can go, oh, I, I, I know where you're going. I get it. And then the idea of having seen him. How, how did you get there? What is the way to get there? He uses this, the way you also know. Because you have what? You have seen something, and what have they seen? Him. They've seen Jesus. So let's, let's look at this. He says, and so where I go, you know, the way you know. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? How can we know the way if we don't know where, right? So you can see the disciples were still struggling with, you know, what's, what's going on here? What's going to happen here? Uh, and by the way, you know, we, we typically read about these guys when we know the end of the story, right? These guys didn't know the end of the story. So they were still trying to figure it out. So he says, we don't know, okay? Hey, what's the way? So then verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And so what he's saying, we talk about how, how can we know the way? And, and Jesus is going to say, well, haven't you seen me? And having seen me, can't you understand that I am the way? And then the rest of the story goes on. We won't read it. But then, you know, he, he says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay. And, and Philip says, well, show us the Father. And Jesus says, no, don't you get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen, you know, uh, uh, and the Father's at work in me, all of those kinds of things. But it's about seeing Jesus. Now, remember our context here is starting off with let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus is saying, see, you see me. And I am the solution to this problem. I am the way you can have your heart not be troubled. All right, so what we want to do now is, is go back through and talk about this. But before we do this, let's see this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to heaven is where he's going. I am the way to heaven. I am the truth about God and heaven and everything else. I am the life, eternal life that you desperately need. And then no one comes to the Father except through me. So this is at the very center of the gospel, isn't it? The reality that we've all born, when we're born, we are born with a nature that is selfish and self-centered. Uh, we call it a sinful nature. And eventually when we're old enough and understand really what's right and what's wrong, we choose to do what's wrong. The Bible calls that sin. All of those things, and that our sin, the Bible is very clear, have separated us from God. Doesn't mean we can't believe in God. No, there's a God, but we are separated from Him. Okay, we need to be reconciled. And so this is why Jesus came. Jesus came, lived that perfect, sinless life. He was God in human form. Remember, that's what He said, You believe in God. Believe also in me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. Okay, so God becomes a man, and he lives a perfect and sinless life. And as he dies on the cross, the Bible tells us that God took, God the Father took the penalty for my sin and for your sins. And the sins what took the penalty, and he dies paying that penalty so that we wouldn't have to. And, and then it, it tells us this. this. This is the gospel, the good news, that if we will be honest about our sin, the fact that we have been self-centered and have not done things the way God says that we ought to multiple times in our lives, and we'll admit that and, and understand we need forgiveness and then choose to believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he was. He is indeed the Son of God, that he did die for our sins, and he did rise from the dead. And if we will then place our faith in him to be Savior, Lord, save me. You've, you've done this for me. Please, I want you to be my Savior. I receive you as my Savior. That at that moment, God forgives every sin. Because Jesus died for every sin. He forgives every sin. He gives you eternal life. And then God himself moves in deep down inside and begins to stir things up and make good and positive changes from the inside out in your life. But Jesus makes it very clear here that there is no other way to have that re relationship with God reconciled. I mean, could he have said it much clearer? I am the way, the truth, and life. I'm the way to heaven. I'm the truth. I'm the one who provides eternal, eternal life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus, okay? Very, very clear. So if you've never reached that point and made that decision, you need to. And by the way, we're talking about help for a troubled heart here. There is no help for your troubled heart if you do not come to Jesus because he is the solution. He is the one that can free you from a troubled heart. And so if you're here today and, and you don't know that, let me encourage you, even in your heart right now, say, oh God, that's what I believe. That's, that's what I want. And, and then talk to us about it. We'd love to, to help you with that. If you're watching or listening, please reach out to us. We'd love to, to help you reach that place where you have received Jesus as Savior. Okay? All right. So Jesus has talked about, let not your heart be troubled. And then he's talked about all these things. So let's, let's go back and think through what he said that can be helpful to us when we have troubled hearts. Right? And the first one is this, that this is not our final destination. All right? I was just talking the other day to the guy who, older guy, he's getting ready to retire, but comes and, and retire, comes and checks our, our water. We're at the end of the line for Cherry Valley Water, and so they come and test the water at our place. And, and I was talking to him about things, and, and he was talking about politics and some, and I, I just, you know, I said, man, I am so glad that that's not what my hope is in. Because if my hope was in that, it, the here and now becomes the most important thing in the world, doesn't it? Okay, it just does. But that's not my hope. My hope is in the Lord. And who's going to have the final word? And I'm not just talking about politics and life. Who's going to have the final word? Jesus is going to have the final word, right? So there are circumstances in our lives. And, and forget all the ones that are outside of us. How about the, just the ones that are in us? Those feelings of anxiety or feelings of depression or feeling of loneliness or struggle with sin that we don't seem to be able to beat. Whatever is going on there, this is not your final destination. This is not the way it's always going to be for you. It will be different. Great promises that Jesus is at work to accomplish good things in our lives. Right? He's at work in our lives, so if I have all these problems that try my heart, hey, Jesus is at work, and if I'll look to him, if I'll lean into him, if I will yield to him, then I can begin to experience something different than this. But So Jesus says, okay, uh, I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I'm going to bring you. So the idea is this is not our final destination. And I would say to you that's good news. I mean, I, I like, I, I enjoy this world. I do. There's lots of things in this world I enjoy. There's lots of things in this world I absolutely detest and do not enjoy. And I'm not stuck here in that forever. This is not our final destination. Okay, so the second thing that we see in this passage is this, that where we're going is being specially prepared for us by Jesus. That's what he said, right? I am going to prepare a place for you. And here's, here's something to think about. Whether current circumstances are good or bad, where you're going is better. Okay? In other words, 
what I find is oftentimes when, when Christians are down here on earth and we're, we're struggling, maybe bad things are happening in our life, times are tough, and we say, oh, Jesus, what? Come back, return, take us, you know. When life is going really good, we're enjoying ourselves. Sometimes we don't tend to be as excited about that, that he's returning for us. But I want you to get in your head here and in your heart today that whether circumstances are bad or whether they're really good, where you're going is better. All right? And, and let's, let's look forward to that. You see, when you have a troubled heart and you look around and all you see is the problems, and that's all you can focus on. And, and all you can see is what's happening to you today. Man, that's a recipe for being stuck from now on, isn't it? <laughs> but if you can start to, let's set aside the idea of Jesus and heaven and all this. If you can actually look forward and think, well, wait a minute, I have hope because tomorrow or because next week, that's a natural thing for us. We, we don't feel as trapped. Well, I want you to know that I don't care. Whatever all the circumstances are, you are never trapped because you are going someplace that's better than here. Always remember that. This is temporary. It is always temporary. And, it, and what Paul talks about it is uh, being just for a moment. Our troubles, our sufferings, our troubles, being just for a moment compared to eternity. So where we're going is, is, is much better. It's being specially prepared for us by Jesus. Now, I, I really, I'm, I'm being really serious about this because I don't know, ever, don't know for sure where people are at who are here or watching or listening. The idea that heaven is so much better than here for the person who is struggling with deep pain, deep emotional pain, maybe depression, all this kind of stuff, it can be easy to start saying, well, hey, well, why don't I just end this life? Because it's going to be much better. Well, half of that's true. But the solution is not to end your life. And by the way, people end their lives in two ways. One is just an overt act of suicide. And the other is self-destructive behaviors over time. Either way, how are you fleshing that out? The Lord has something better for you. Here, not just there. And, and, and the decisions we make here will affect how we experience there. So let's lean into Jesus now. Let's trust him now. If you find yourself, you know, ever thinking that, thinking, man, it might just be easier to check out. Let me encourage you. It's, there's a better solution, and it's Jesus. It really is, and we're going to see that a little more before we're done today, okay? Uh, it just hit me today thinking about, we're talking about troubled hearts, and wow, heaven's going to be so much better than this. I just thought, you know what? May that's the Lord. I don't know who's here, who's catching it somewhere else. Instead of saying, yeah, let me check out, how about reach out and let us help you? I guarantee you there's, there's hope and, and better than what you're experiencing right now. All right, so we've seen that where we're going is, or excuse me, this is not our final destination. We are not stuck here. And God is at work. He's going to use all the things in our lives to, to grow us and to 
actually Tulsa to make heaven better for us. And then where we're going is, uh, is being specially prepared for us by Jesus. And then it brings us to this one, that Jesus is personally coming to get us so that we can be with him. So we can be with him. Now, I think typically when we think about heaven, and I, and I, I know there's so many of us here, we probably think different kinds of things, but when we think about when this life is over and we go to heaven, we think, what's it going to be like? Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be an awesome. It is. And we might think about, uh, you know, all the, um, the loved ones that we know who've gone on and we get to see them again. We might think about, wow, I can actually talk to that Bible character who, you know, I read about and, and, and I can learn some things or, or maybe meet someone, a, a famous Christian over the years who served the Lord wonderfully. Uh, we think of these things. Then we, we can think about all of the sights of heaven, the sounds of heaven, the, maybe the smell of heaven and, and the feel of heaven and all of those kinds of things as well. And, and we will. But what's interesting here is this to me. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, so that you can be with me, he says. Now, the, the, the first thing that, that hits me there is that who wants this all to come together the most? Jesus does. And why? because he wants us there to be with him. All right, so right now, try to think of a, a very, very famous person, maybe very powerful, maybe very rich, who for some reason or another, you get an invitation to, to come and to spend time with this person, maybe a day, maybe a week, whatever, okay? And so you're going to do that. And, and you think, how exciting is this, right? I get to go do that and be with them and, and spend the time with them where they live and with all this kind of stuff. But what if you got there and you discovered that this person was so much more excited about you being there with him or with her? Would that surprise you, right? I think I would be surprised at that. Wait, no. I'm excited about being with you. And he says, no, no, I'm excited about being with you. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm preparing a place so you can be here with me. Jesus wants you there with him. And so while all these other things are going to be awesome, we, we will enjoy them. And, and Fran Everson, I don't know where she is right now, but we were talking about this, I think, a week ago or two. And the idea is that the most amazing thing is going to be finding ourselves in front of Jesus. To look in his eyes and see him looking back at us. And I don't know exactly how this all goes down, okay? But this one is the one who loved me so much that he would leave heaven and come into a sin-cursed world and allow it to do what it did to him and to bear all the ugliness of my sins 
and yet to, to, to forgive me and to look in that that won't be between us. To the one who was so patient with me. <laughs> Man, so patient with me. And the one who, remember the, the woman that they caught in adultery and they brought and put her before Jesus and they were, you know, trying to catch Jesus and Jesus said some things and they finally felt convicted and they all went away and Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? And she says, they aren't here. And he says, neither do I condemn you. And so that's this one who didn't condemn me. Even if I condemn myself, he doesn't condemn me. The one who cared about the details of my life. The one, we could just go on and on, couldn't we? And to be there and to know that on our own, there was never any reason for me to be here. And yet because his great love for me, I'm here and now I'm with him. I think this is going to be more overwhelming than we will know what to do with. It really will. And so he wants me to be there. He's preparing a place for me. He's going to personally come. There's going to come a point in time for me when if, if, if we don't all go together, and that could be exciting, right? Hey, by the way, if the rapture occurs before we're done here today, you can take your mask off. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about it, right? So maybe we all go together. It's exciting. But the one way or another, he's coming for me. And at some point in time, there's going to come, and whether it's, it's, you know, in an accident, or it's whether when I'm asleep, or I have some serious illness, or whatever, where Jesus is going to come, show up and say, hey, it's time. Come on. Come with me. And that's just going to be amazing. So, think about this. See, if you have a troubled heart today, you see what you have to look forward to? You have Jesus to look forward to. And you don't have to wait. He's here now. If you know the Lord, he's present within you now. And he's present around you in his people. And you think about what it's going to be like here. To, let me just say a little more. To look into his face. He is the holy God, the creator, the sustainer of this entire universe. And yet he's intimately involved with me. Psalm number eight, David says, what in the world is man that you should take note of him, God? But he does. And then I think of um, this week as I was just thinking about this, the, the lyrics from um, the Mercy Me song, when I'm surrounded by his glory, what will my heart right, say? Will, will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. Will I stand in your presence or to my knees humbly bow? Will I sing hallelujah or will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So Jesus is personally coming for us to take us there. So... You have a troubled heart today. This is not your final destination. You're not stuck with this. Jesus is preparing a place special for you. And, and, and he is personally coming to, to get, get us so that we can be with him. You have reason to hope today. 
Even with the trouble, we have reason to hope and let that trouble go. And you say, okay, yeah, but that might be a long time off. Well, until, until then, know this about Jesus. Until then, Jesus is the way, isn't he? Go ahead and go to that if you would, Anthony. Until then, Jesus is the way forward. All right? You find yourself with a troubled heart and suddenly, how do I even go forward? Well, lean into Jesus. Okay? Turn to him. Say, oh, Lord, here I am. And I don't even know how to deal with this. But I'm, he's the way forward. Lord, I, I, I'm going to go with you today. All right? He is the way through this stuff. He's the one that's going to walk with you through this stuff and not let you be lost. And, and then he is also the way beyond on the other side of this. When you come out the other side. You know, the word through implies something, doesn't it? We're not just going into problems. We're going through problems, which means we're coming, we're coming out on the other end, Stephen. Right? Okay, so he is the way forward. He is the way through. He is the way beyond. Um, the Bible, let me just share some verses with you here. Of course, Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, right? Our own ways. But Jesus' way is a different deal. He says, as for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. When you don't know what to do and you mess it up, his way is perfect. Go with him. Now, the way of the Lord is life and light to those who believe him and follow him. Jesus said, if you come to him, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, right? His way. And so when you have a troubled heart, Jesus is the way forward, the way through, the way beyond, okay? He is also the truth. He is the source of truth. So when you find your heart trouble and you have questions and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to look at life and you don't know which way's up, look to Jesus for truth. The truth is what you need to know. Satan wants to deceive you. Jesus will tell you the truth. And, and so he is the source of truth. Uh, he's the source of truth that we have in his word here. Um, the source of truth about everything that matters, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He is the source of truth. Look to him. Look to his word. Secondly, he is the standard of truth. Okay? He is that which by, by which we, will, uh, we need to determine what's really true. Because here's the deal. You can, if you want to figure out if something is true or false, at least at some level, you want to say, well, wait a minute. Is this consistent with Jesus and what he's revealed to us in his word? And if it is, it may be true. But if it's not consistent with Jesus, who he is, what he's doing, what his word says, then what do you know about it? It's not true. It's false. So as, as when you're troubled about life and you're looking, trying to decide, remember Jesus is the standard of truth. Look, you can measure these other things by him. And then he is the foundation of truth upon which you can build your life. We talked about this a number of weeks back when we looked at you know, the person who built this, you know, house, life house on a rock. The foundation of truth in the Lord. And this can help you not to be troubled in your heart as you begin to build on Jesus' truth. 
And then finally, until then, Jesus is the giver of life. You can feel dead inside. You can know the Lord and find yourself emotionally feeling dead. He is the giver of life. If you've never received Jesus as Savior, and you do that, He is the giver of life, of eternal life. So until then, He's the, the giver of life. He is the source of quality life, the kind of life that you want to have. He's the source of that. You want a different kind of life? Look to Jesus. Get to know Jesus. And then He is the reason to live. He is your reason to live. If you just, if you left here today and didn't do anything else but chew on Jesus being my reason to live and thinking about that, and what does that mean? What does it imply? Where does it lead me? It'll make a huge difference in your life. Because you have any other reason to live, it's going to leave you dry. It's going to leave you hanging, leave you unfulfilled, leaving you with a troubled heart. All right, so Jesus, start off this whole thing. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen God. And so here's the truth. If you see Jesus, you see God. True? That's what Jesus said, right? So what do you need to do? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And you can look right here, right? Man, I encourage you, if you did nothing else, if you just uh, picked up the Bible and started reading the Gospels and just spend time over the next however many weeks or months and just say, I want to get to know Jesus, I guarantee you it'll bring relief from a troubled heart. And not just once, but repeatedly. So look to Jesus. When you have a troubled heart, Wait, I can look at the problems or I can look to Jesus. I can look to other people or I can look to Jesus. I can look to some philosophy or I can look to Jesus. If you want help with the troubled heart, look to Jesus. This is what the author of Hebrews says. When he just got through talking about all these people who, who looked to the Lord and trusted him and lived their lives. And he says, wherefore, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, for consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, lest you have a troubled heart. Lay aside the weights, look to Jesus, consider him. And if you'll do that, then you won't have that weary, weariness and discouragement in your soul. You won't have a troubled heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you have provided all these things for us, specifically your son and all that that means. I pray, Lord, that you would 
remind us every time we, we begin to have a troubled heart that we would say, whoa, I need to focus back in on your son. Focus in on Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that when we aren't having a troubled heart, that we would focus in on your son, that we might not have a troubled heart. We might walk through life the way you intended us to. And I pray, Father, you will give us hope. I, I ask, Lord, for anybody who's here who doesn't know you or who is watching or listening that doesn't know you, I pray that they will just turn their hearts to you and say, okay, Lord, I received Jesus as Savior. I trust you. I pray they'll do that or they'll reach out for help. And I pray for anybody, Father, whose troubled heart is leading them to a place of discouragement and despair, that they would capture today, that you would fill their heart with this hope that they have in your son. And Lord, I pray for all those things right now that I don't know how to pray, but your spirit does. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, God bless you. Go and have a great week.